are listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you. sixth chapter, and uh, I was with Jason at the Celebrate Recovery Summit we got in last night. It's been three intense days, 12 hours a day, but oh man, testimonies alone were worth the trip. It was awesome. Glad to be back. Um, My name is Dan. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm just so happy to be here with you. Um, you haven't heard me f- preach for about four weeks. Thanks for the break. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do preach once in a while. I like to teach. I like to preach. It's not going to be as loud as it was last week. That was pretty awesome. Ask for a testimony. Sometimes you get more than you ask for. All right. If you haven't heard it, tune in. Uh, dfwlighthouse.org slash media. All right. Um, We've had several words this morning, and they have gone right along with what I'm going to share, which is always very encouraging. I I told Tim that he he had point three. Thank you, Tim. Uh, So we're going to look at Ezra today. And the title of this message is The Importance of Being Fat. God said, I will satisfy you with fatness, and I took him up on that, okay? (laughs) I take God at his word. All right, we can relate. Um, No, actually, FAT is an acronym, and uh, we're going to go through that today. I I heard Nancy did that with the ladies, and I don't know what her acronym was. I'm not, Connie said, are you going to preach Nancy's message? I said, I might. I don't know. Talking about Nancy Hinkle, she ministers to the ladies every now and then. But uh, it just happened to work out. I was reading Ezra in my daily Bible reading through the Bible. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember we're reading through the Bible? (laughs) The one-year Bible, past the halfway mark. Yeah, Tony's nodding like, look at me. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so if you're reading through the Bible... Uh, we're in Ezra, just crossed over into Nehemiah. Okay, we're making progress. We're also in 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, and we're working our way through Psalms for the second time. So good. So, 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 so good. The Word is powerful. Yes. So I was reading in Ezra, and this inspires me every Time, And this is what jumped off the page. Okay, this is a letter from the emperor of the then known world to Ezra. And I'm going to read the letter. Isn't it nice? Isn't it kind of fun to read other people's mail every now and then? Come on. Don't admit it. It's all right. Or come tomorrow night. You can admit it in small group. You won't be judged. 
All right, so this is a letter to somebody, and we get to read it. Okay, in the first year of King Cyrus's reign, a decree was sent out concerning the temple of God at Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt. Right there, that, that's just powerful right there. Okay, let the temple be rebuilt. I'll talk about why that's powerful in a minute. Let the temple be rebuilt on the site where Jews used to offer their sacrifices using the original foundations. Its height will be 90 feet, its width will be 90 feet. Every three layers of specially prepared stones will be topped by a layer of timber. All expenses will be paid by the royal treasury. Okay, I'm in verse 5 of Ezra 6, if you're following along. If not, it's okay to listen. Normally have this on the screen, don't today, but you guys will be gracious and listen, okay? Furthermore, the gold and silver cups which were taken to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar from the temple of God in Jerusalem must be returned to Jerusalem and put back where they belong. Let, they, let them be taken back to the temple of God. So King Darius sent this message. Now therefore, bunch of people, Okay, skip over there. Bunch of people. Verse 7. Do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be rebuilt on its original site. And do not hinder the governor of Judah and the elders of the Jews in their work. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to help these elders of the Jews as they rebuild this temple of God. You must pay the full construction costs without delay from my taxes collected in the province west of the Euphrates River so that the work will not be interrupted. Give the priests in Jerusalem whatever is needed in the way of young bulls, rams, and male lambs for the burnt offerings presented to the God of heaven and without fail. Provide them with as much wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil as they need each day. Then they will be able to offer acceptable sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the welfare of the king and his sons. Those who violate this degree in any way will have a beam pulled from their house. Then they will be lifted up and impaled on it, and their house will be reduced to a pile of rubble. This guy meant business. Okay? That's pretty serious. May the God who has chosen the city of Jerusalem as the place to honor his name destroy any king or nation that violates this command and destroys his temple. I, Darius, have issued this decree. Let it be obeyed with all diligence. That's the letter. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you're here with us. Thank you for your presence this morning as we have worshipped you with our voices, with music, with song, with ourselves, with our hearts. God, now we worship you as we look at your word briefly this morning. God, let your word minister to our hearts. Let us be encouraged as we rebuild the temple of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we get into our acrostic, I want to remind you that the mission that we're all about, the mission that we are all about here, the mission we've been about since I got here 18 and a half years ago is restoration. The ministry of the church is restoration. The ministry of our church is restoration. That's why we do 
celebrate recovery. It's all about restoration. That's why we meet on Wednesday night in small groups, restore relationships. Jason already talked about it. You see, we live in a world that was destroyed by sin. Most of us are too old to have lived through World War II, but I've been to Europe many times, and I've seen cities that have been restored, rebuilt, and you see pictures of them after the bombs fell. And people had to go up and pick up the bricks and clean them up and put them back and cement them back in restore what was lost. Our personal lives need to be restored. Devastation comes. Floods come. I was in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Months later, there was piles of rubble higher than the trees. Restoration needed to come. It's a picture of this planet which has been destroyed by sin and selfishness. We can blame the devil all day long. Of course, Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life. Jesus came to restore us. Most importantly, not restoration for restoration's sake, but to restore us back to the Father. We need to be restored back to our home, back to our family. And God is our Father, and he loves us, and he wants to restore us. Restore that relationship that he wanted for us. That's what the cross is all about. And so the mission of the church, not only that I would have my life restored, and I would have a testimony, it is then to reach out and restore others to join God in this amazing mission, to join Jesus who came to seek and save those who are lost. To lift up our eyes and see those who need a touch from heaven. And we've been given the tools to do that through the word of God. We're going to talk about that today. So the mission is restoration. Things are not as they should be. We are taught to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, things are good. The Father's will is done. It is not hindered in heaven. Here, there are hindrances. Here, there is destruction. So the mission is restoration. Ezra lived at a time, historically, Bible students. Okay, I'd like to get out a timeline of the Bible but I didn't. Uh, my wife uh, taught our kids. She's a homeschool teacher before it was a thing, before it was popular, before it was even legal, okay? We, we had an illegal homeschool in our house. We were rebels. Kept the, we kept the curtains drawn tight during the day. And she went outside and under the cover of darkness, taught our children about the stars. 
One thing my wife loves is timelines. She loves those timelines. She has timelines of all kinds of things. And she bought this timeline of the Bible. And it's this tall and this wide. And it has pages that fold out. And so on the timeline of the Bible, which I want you to imagine here, okay, we have creation. We got Noah's Ark. We got Abraham, the patriarchs, then da -da 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 -da. Moses, the law, Mount Sinai. There's usually little pictures for each thing. Okay, I'm Moses. All right. Um, I got no slides, so I'm it. Okay. So <laughs> here's Moses. And then we have the judges. Then we have the period of the kings. Moving up the timeline. Okay, now Moses got the law, and this is how you're supposed to live, and you'll be blessed. And if you live this way, destroyed. Okay? Now, if it was my timeline, here's the law, here's the judges, here's the destruction. Bam! You know, God in his almighty fly swatter should have come down. Whack! But no, God waited, and he waited, and he waited, okay. King David, yay. Solomon, yay. The temple's built. Okay, we got the temple built right here. Amazing temple. Solomon has some issues. There's all his wives' fault, plural. That's not true. He made some mistakes, okay? And then you've got a divided kingdom. You've got a northern tribe, a southern tribe. And then God, being a God of his word, God being a patient God, did bring destruction. Okay, through the Babylonians. That's about right here. God spoke through the prophets and said, for 70 years you will be exiled. You'll go to Babylon. But after 70 years, I'm going to send you back. I'm going to restore. Okay, so go to this page. 70 years are up, and a remnant comes back to Jerusalem, to the Holy Land, with the mission of rebuilding the temple and rebuilding Jerusalem. This is Ezra and his friend Nehemiah. Both books are about restoration and rebuilding. And Ezra's job was to rebuild the temple. Why? So that they could worship, because that's where they worshiped back then. They offered sacrifices, they offered praise, and they prayed. All right? Now, I'll complete the timeline. There's almost enough room. Okay, so then there's, there's a restoration and then there's 400 years where we don't hear anything. And then Jesus comes. Then we got the New Testament. It goes about to that wall. Okay? So that's the timeline of the Bible. If you don't believe me, read it for yourself. So where are we? We're at the end of the exile. Ezra has been sent to rebuild the temple. So the message and the mission are restoration. Now, Ezra 
was given the task of rebuilding something that had been almost completely destroyed down to the foundations. Have you ever had to rebuild something that was stripped to its foundations? My son bought a house in this neighborhood over here. It was a great deal. He found out there was a reason it was a great deal. It needed to be rebuilt practically from the foundation. He had to strip all the sheetrock off, strip all the insulation out, which is rotten, kill everything that had taken up residence inside there. He had to re-plumb. He had to rewire. And then he had to restore everything. Yes, Jim, he rewired everything, put in a new panel. Jim is an electrical engineer. He rewired this whole thing. So he, he did all that, okay? Practically down to the foundation, okay? When we bought the, the pawn shop, which has been a coffee house for a while, we didn't quite have to go to the foundation, but it was pretty nasty. We had to... <laughs> We didn't know what we were dealing with. You don't know until you get in there. And sometimes in our lives, we realize there's nothing left. Stuff happens to us. All that's left is the foundation. So Ezra is commissioned with rebuilding the temple. So he gets back to Jerusalem and is commissioned by the king to do the job. Now he has some setbacks. Talk about that in a minute. But he's got some things in his favor. Okay? That's our F word of the day. Favor. If you are rebuilding, if you are restoring, you have favor. I want to remind you of that. God is on your side. Let's look at what kind of favor he had. All right. He had the word of the king. He had a letter from the king. He had supply. What are we promised? Seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33, and all these things will be added. We have supply. He had restoration of what was stolen, the gold and silver cups that were taken to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, must be returned and put back. That which was stolen by the enemy, God says, must be returned. So just get ready. If you don't see it yet, just keep trusting until you see those things restored. And then, furthermore, he says in verse 7, Do not disturb the construction of the temple. Let it be rebuilt. Do not hinder the governor of Judah and the elders of the Jews in their work. Give the priests whatever they need. You are in favor with the king. Now, who's the king? It's God. God loves you. 
God smiles upon you. If you are his child, God is going to take care of you. Your God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You're God's favorite. Isn't that cool? You're God's favorite. Now, that doesn't mean that you're more privileged than the person sitting next to you. Okay? Because all of us can be God's favorite. My grandson asked me this week, Grandpa, who is your favorite kid? I had two children, a son and a daughter. I said both of them. Paul's my favorite son. Rachel's my favorite daughter. They're both my favorite kids. End of discussion. And by the way, you're my favorite grandson. And I have a favorite granddaughter. And you guys are unique. You guys are special. You guys are wonderful. I love you both so much. I can't even explain to you how much I love you. That's God's word to you today. You're his favorite. Those of us who were at Christ for the Nations a very long time ago, remember a wonderful woman of God and teacher, Pauline Parham. She was the dean of women back when Connie was a student. Wonderful legacy. Sharon's nodding because she was there too. All right. So I worked for the airlines for about nine and a half years. And I was in Houston. I was the manager of the evening shift. And I was uh, meeting flights. And, you know, when you're a manager, you get to do everybody else's work, plus correct them if they're not doing the right thing. Okay, so very much hands-on. So this plane pulls in, and this little old lady comes tottering up the jetway. And I looked at her, and I said, Pauline? She goes, hello. Okay, she had a very distinctive voice and a very distinctive look. You could pick her out of a crowd, okay? So, like, what are you doing? What are you doing in Houston? I'm flying to see my daughter in California. I want to give you some history. Back in the day, when you flew from Dallas Love Field, you couldn't go directly anywhere unless it was in Texas or the states that touched Texas. It was a silly law they made so that DFW would be successful. I know I'm into ancient history here, folks. Okay, but it was a thing. It was called the Right Amendment. Okay, they finally figured out DFW was successful, so they lifted that thing. But it took an act of Congress. All right, but back in that day, if you went to another place, you had to fly through somewhere else, and you could not check your bag from Dallas to L.A. through Houston. You had to get off the plane in Houston, go to the bag claim, get your bag, take it to the ticket counter, recheck it for Houston, go back through security, and get back on the airplane. Someone had put Pauline Parham on a plane at Dallas Love Field with another ticket to go from Houston to Los Angeles and either had not explained to this, any of this to her or she had forgotten all of it. All she knows is she's heading for L.A. And so I grabbed her boarding pass. I said, Mrs. Parham, let me help you. 
okay, your other flight leaves in an hour. I need you to have a seat right here. Okay. She has a seat. I run downstairs. I grab her bag as it comes off the Dallas flight. I walk it over to the LA flight. I put a new tag on it. I put it on the LA flight. I run upstairs. I check her in for the LA flight. While I'm at it, I upgrade her to first class. I'm not bragging, I was 27 years old, okay? I could barely function myself, all right? So don't think, well, I No, I could barely wipe my own drool at that time. Okay, so I thought I was all that in a bag of Fritos, but looking back. All right, so I am escorting her back onto the plane that goes to Los Angeles. And I want her to know <laughs> what I have done for her. <laughs> Mrs. Parham, do you realize that if I had not been standing there when you got off the plane, you might have ended up in Houston forever <laughs> with your baggage that you didn't know was going to be dropped off here? And by the way, I'm upgrading you to first class. Mrs. Parham, aren't I special? <laughs> she looked at me with a twinkle in her eye. She said, I'm God's pet, you know. <laughs> she didn't have a care in the world. She was walking in the favor of God. She knew she was going to be okay. She wasn't worried. It was just very natural that God would send a young person that knew her to be waiting at the gate. Hallelujah. You know, stuff like that demonstrates the favor of God. I can give you story after story after story. Why am I talking this high? I don't know. The time Connie and I had to check 20 boxes at London Heathrow Airport going to Budapest. And the brilliant genius that packed them chose Apple computer boxes to put all this stuff in for missionaries. There were not Apple computers in those boxes. Going to a, it, it hadn't been communist, not communist for very long. Okay? Furthermore, there was the worst traffic jam ever going into that airport. And I had to leave my wife on the curb with all these boxes. While I returned the rental car, we would have missed our flight. Can I tell you a secret? She wasn't very happy. <laughs> but I saw a sky cap. I said, grab him. He will help you. I'll see you. So she goes to the ticket counter with all these boxes and the sky cap, and the ticket agents are just filling out bag tags, filling out bag I'm thinking, this is going to be a fortune. I'm going to have to pay thousands of dollars in excess baggage charges. Thousands. Okay. So they filled out all our bag tags. They said, here, take these to the, this belt over there. We went over to the belt. They took them. Bye. Go to your flight. 
They didn't charge us a thing. It was all for the missionaries. They had favor. Then we get to Budapest. I'm like, how are we getting through customs with all these Apple computer boxes? They didn't even look at us. We pushed the boxes right through. Took them to Romania, blessed a lot of missionaries. Okay, that's just one story. I can tell you a million. Connie's like, no more. Okay, so <laughs> I'm nothing special except for I'm his kid. You see, Pauline was on a mission for God. I was on a mission for God. When we're on a mission for God, and the mission is restoration, and we're all on it, okay? We have his favor. We have his provision. We have his protection. Ezra had the favor of God. Don't forget it. Because in those dark hours, in those moments, declare his favor over your life. You'll see it. Demonstrate it. He's going to take care of us. But we've got to remember our mission is restoration, okay? I'm going to tell you, favor is the faithfulness of God tangibly demonstrated in our lives. It's favor for what? To finish the job. It's favor to finance the job that God has for us. Now, this favor is for you, but it's not just for you. This is the attitude we have to have about the favor of God. We are to handle it with humility. Have you been around some people? I was this one lady. Well, you're going to get a favor because I'm, I'm, I'm here with you today, and I'm favored. I'm highly favored. I looked at her, and I said, well, I'm favored too. <laughs> okay, great, wonderful. You know, favor is something that humbles us because God doesn't have to do that right okay but he does because he loves us and he knows that we have a great mission to accomplish favor is to be handled with responsibility again it's not just so you'll look good it's nice to look good I, I, I understand but it's so that God can restore that's why we have favor Okay, the favor that Ezra had wasn't just personal. It's so much more than that. It's not entitlement. Sometimes we get into this American entitlement thing. That's not God's attitude. Yeah, Jesus didn't act all entitled, and he was the most favored of God, right? Mary. Jesus' mother, blessed are you. The favor of God was all over her. She just bowed her head and said, let it be to me according to your word. That's to be our prayer. The favor is to equip us for the mission that God has for us. Okay, moving right along. Not only does God give us favor, praise God for favor. Praise God. Not only does he give us favor, he gives us the authority to accomplish what he's called us to do. And we have to take that authority and use that authority. That authority is also the anointing that we have. The authority that Ezra had was given from the very highest 
level. A letter from the emperor. And you know how they signed their letters? They sealed them with their seal. So he had a letter on imperial letter stock with a seal from the Most High King. Guess what? I'm going to steal your Bible, David, but I'll return it. You have a letter from the Most High God, signed, sealed, sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. You have his authority. We need to walk in that. Because when our faith gets shaken, we need to be reminded that we have his authority. When we go and accomplish what he's called us to accomplish, we need to be reminded that we're not going under our own authority. We're going because Jesus gave us a commission to go into all the world and preach and teach. And I don't know about you, but all the world to me includes a coffee house. All the world to me includes our jobs. All the world is wherever he sends us to go. Maybe it's across the street. Maybe it's across the world. Go with God's authority. You have a great commission. Let's obey that commission. All right. What's our part? What's our part? I love how Peter opened today. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the King James Version, in case you missed that. Okay, but know that God's working in us. Last time I preached, which I don't remember when that was, but last time I talked about the balance between faith and works, that we rest, the balance between work and rest. We, we have to actually do things to accomplish his will, amen? Yeah? We do things in obedience to what he's called us to. But sometimes the greatest thing we can do is to just not give up. And that was practically every word that we heard this morning. And that's the T. It's tenacity. I don't really like that word. All right? Because I get tired. Anybody here get tired? You get tired of praying for somebody? Get tired for believing for something? Get tired of doing what God's called you to do? You know, we've got some awesome testimonies in the Bible of people who, even though they were tired, they did not give up. Talked about that a few weeks ago. Paul the Apostle. Man, if anyone had an excuse to give up, it might have been him. The second beating, the third beating. Which imprisonment? You pick one. Shipwreck? Yeah, I think this is a sign from God that it's all over. Right? No. He completes his course. And then he writes about it, and then he tells everybody else to rejoice. Huh? I remember once, this was like 30 years ago. I was just tired. I was tired. I, I didn't know. I was dealing with some people. They were difficult. How many know that sometimes we can deal with difficult people? How many know that sometimes we are that difficult person? Okay. Thank you, Reese. All right. It wasn't you. Because <laughs> you weren't born yet. All right. So. I was just like, God. 
This is driving me crazy. They were in charge of half the church. You know, you keep elevating someone until they drive you crazy. And then you just got to pray for them. All right, and thank you. I've been that person too. So I was at a conference in Tulsa, faith capital of the world at that time. Right? I was at a conference. And I was about as worn out as you could be. It was supposed to be a children's workers conference because we were children's workers. We were hospitality workers, children's workers, youth workers, elders. Plus, we made the iced tea for the fellowships. Okay, we were, we were busy. Plus, we were raising our kids. Plus, working full-time at a job. Okay, that's all we knew to do. We just did it all. We had zeal without knowledge, okay? <laughs> Lots of zeal, not much knowledge. And we didn't know any boundaries, and we didn't know how to pace ourselves. Okay, but we had timelines, okay? And <laughs> so I'm just tired. We get up to this conference, and I walk in, and whoever was teaching was jumping around and smiling and bouncy, and I'm like, oh, brother, why don't you get a real job? And he said something that really changed my life. He said, I don't have to serve the Lord. I get to serve the Lord. This is my choice. And since I've chosen this, I'm going to do it with joy. Because I've done it with joy and I've done it miserable. And it's a lot more fun when you do it with joy. Okay? And I have to remind myself of that every now and then. I don't have to do what I do. I get to do what I do. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. And so therefore, we don't give up just because things get a little bumpy now and then. Ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts. There's going to be a little turbulence. The pilot doesn't land the plane right then and there just because there's a little turbulence. They fly through it sometimes. Sometimes they fly above it. But eventually you get to your destination. God has a destination for each one of us. And the enemy would love to interrupt that and get us to be so discouraged that we want to give up. So there's tension, there are threats. There's opposition. There was opposition to Ezra from outside and from inside, his very own people. We need to be tenacious in the face of discouragement, in the face of setbacks. Because so often we underestimate the importance of the mission of restoration. God wants to restore. At the conference that I just came back from, one of the leaders gave a talk last year on the opioid epidemic. You know, there is, at that time when he was sharing, 91 people a day in this country were dying because of opioid addiction, painkiller meds, heroin, 
opium, it's so much more prevalent. And he was there to declare a war on this killer. Because we just don't, we hear about it a little bit, but we don't hear about it as much as so many other things. He came back this year. He said it's not just 91. It's 141 people a day who will die today because of this horrible plague. A month after the conference last year, a couple that he was talking to that were all encouraged because their son had been clean and sober from his opium addiction, overdosed a month after the conference. And he shared others and others and others and others. And he's like, I was tempted to give up because it's like the waves keep rolling in. But he stood before us and he says, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen to the big picture. But this was the word he got. Go after the one more. If we can save one, it makes a dent. One more. You see, I can handle one more. When I get discouraged, just go after the next one. Carrie, going into the prisons, one more, one more. Youth pastors, you might not see hundreds saved. You may. Hallelujah. You're going to see that next kid that has a testimony, just like you have a testimony. All of us. Let's go after the next one. Let's not give up. Yeah, we get weary. But you know what? That's why we come together to encourage each other. Alex, thank you for coming Sunday after Sunday and singing your heart out, even when you're exhausted. Thank you. You encourage me. I am encouraged because of you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep coming back. That's what we say in recovery. Just keep coming back. Encourage those around you. You know, you don't know behind that face what's going on in the heart. Linda has an amazing testimony. I've heard it. I was talking to someone after we heard her testimony. It's like, I would have never imagined Linda had anything going on in her life. Look at her. She's awesome. And yet she was in pain for a time. But God delivered her. That was the one more. I needed to hear that. That was the one more. Don't give up. God is good. Hang on. You have his favor every day of the year, not just on odd days, not just on Sundays, every day. His mercies are new every morning. You have the authority of his word.
God just didn't save you for you. He saved you so that you could be part of his mission to restore this planet to him. And finally, be tenacious. Just don't give up. Somebody is waiting on you. Let's stand up together. If we could sing as we close that song we sang this morning, which I was going to request, but I didn't have time to do it. Thankfully, Noah heard from God. He's going to do it again. <laughs> your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you will do it again. You've been faithful to save us. You've been faithful to keep us, and you'll be faithful to get us to where we're supposed to be. So as the prayer team comes up this morning, if you've got an area of your life that you want someone to stand with you, if you need encouragement today, if those words that were shared today during worship touched your heart, just have someone pray with you. There is absolutely no shame in that. That's why we're here, to encourage, to uplift, to build each other up so that we can all be everything God called us to be. So, God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you're here with us. We thank you, God, for your word, and that we have these examples of those who paid the price so that we could be here, those who paved the road for Jesus Christ to come and appear on this earth. And, Lord, we are that for somebody else. We just give you praise today in Jesus' name.